Hey friends, well good morning and happy Mother's Day to you. I'm Pastor Lindsay Rich and it's great to be with you this morning. Um, You know, this week I have been thinking about my childhood. I think that Mother's Day has made me nostalgic for the days when I was young. And um, I was remembering a story that I hadn't thought of in a while. A story of the first time that I ever stayed home alone by myself. I was seven years old and we were living in Arizona at the time. And my mom, as I recall the story, wanted to go and check the mail. And I did not want to go with her. Uh, We lived in an apartment complex at the time. And so it was a short walk from our apartment to where the mail was. And she said, well, I think that would be fine if you want to stay here. I could just lock the door behind me and I'll go get the mail and then come back. And I thought that sounded like a great idea. So that's what she did. And the way that I remember the story is I remember hearing the lock, right? My mom shut the door and I remember listening as she locked the door and then hearing her walking away. And then like the panic set in. (laughs) I remember feeling so nervous and just so concerned. And I just really wanted my mom to hurry up and get back. And it was the most afraid that I think that I had been in my whole seven years. Um, And I really just wanted my mom to come home and give me a hug. And she did Um, after the three minutes or whatever that she was gone. My mom has always given the best hugs. And one of the things that I love about my childhood is that my mom did such a great job of making me feel safe and loved. And Mother's Day is such a fun day to be able to remember stories like that and to remember and to celebrate the ways that we have been loved well and taught and poured into um, by our moms. And Mother's Day, I have said for a long time, is beautiful. And also, Mother's Day is brutal. Because right alongside the beauty of remembering ways in which many of our moms loved us well. There is also loss and there is longing and there is grief and there is trauma at the hands of some mothers who have not loved their children well. And so we hold these things in tension on Mother's Day, recognizing that it is both beautiful and brutal. And I think that really that's true for a lot of things in life that we hold a lot of things in tension. I was thinking just generally about our lives and how many of us right now would be able to start a list of all of the wonderful things in our lives, of the blessings that surround us, of the beauty that we can see. And at the same time, it wouldn't take a whole lot of effort to scratch through the surface of each of our lives and to find areas of disappointment or of longing or of pain. And we hold these things in tension. And sometimes I think that many of us don't know exactly what to do with these areas of disappointment in our lives. Things that we wish were different than they actually are. And I think sometimes what we wonder is what hope is actually supposed to look like in those places. Right? We do pretty well with hope in areas that things look great and things that look like blessings and things that look 
like flowers and growth and goodness. And we can recognize hope there, but sometimes we wrestle with what does hope look like in these spaces of disappointment? And today I want us to look at the story of Lazarus. Uh, Lazarus was a friend of Jesus and he got sick and he died. And Jesus came and actually raised Lazarus from the dead and brought him back to life. And so I want us to read this story together today. We're just going to read part of it because it's quite long. So I'm going to hop around a little to get some of the highlights. But we are going to be reading from John chapter 11, and we're going to start in verse 1. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Verse 6. When Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 32, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been in there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. So as I was reading this story this week, the part of the story that really was standing out to me was not the part where Jesus called for Lazarus to come out. So I don't know what that says about me, that the climactic moment of Jesus resurrecting a man um, was not the part that stood out to me. But actually, the thing that I just kept going back to was in verse 3, where it says, Lord, the one you love is sick. And then in verse 6, So when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And I was just thinking about that and thinking, you know, like if you were going to get sick, like you'd want to be in this family. This seemed to be like the best family to be in because they were great friends with Jesus. And Jesus is the guy who's going around and healing people. And so they might have reasonably expected that Jesus would have come home to heal their friend Lazarus. And Jesus didn't respond 
in the way that they had anticipated. And so I found myself really identifying with Mary and with Martha, who said, Lord, you know, if you had been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. These were two women who knew that Jesus loved them, and they had asked him for something that was within the realm of Jesus' power, certainly, and within the realm of things that he was doing. And so they were saying, Lord, well, you could have done this thing. And when, when we do that, when that happens in our lives, when we pray and we ask the Lord for something, and we know that it's something that God can do, and we ask him to do it, and he doesn't show up in the way that we hoped for and in the way that we've longed for, that can really impact our hearts. And it can impact our minds and the things that we start to think. Because what can happen is we can actually start to get stuck in thinking about the things that God didn't do for us. Um, You know, we can actually start comparing our lives and our stories to that of the people who are around us. And we can look and say, well, you know, Lord, this is what you did for them. And if you had answered my prayer, like things would be different for me. And, you know, we can, we can get really heartbroken over this stuff. And we can actually start thinking some really unproductive and harmful things, even about what does this mean for us? Like, what does this mean about the way that God loves us? And does he see me? Does he know me? Does he care? Like, couldn't God have done this? Lord, if you had done this thing that I asked, the situation would be different right now. I think one of the best gifts of this story for me has been that just like right within this story, there's like an invitation for us um, to let Jesus into the hard places in our lives. I love Jesus's response to Mary and Martha's questions, right? They were in this way of thinking about like what God hadn't done for them, right? Jesus, you, you didn't show up. And if you had, it could be different, right? That's where they were thinking. And that's an honest and I think a good thing to be able to ask Jesus. And Jesus's response uh, to Mary here in verse 34 was, where have you laid him? Right? Mary would have been going to the tomb to grieve and to mourn the loss of her brother every day. And when she says to Jesus, Lord, if you had come, things would be different. His response to her was, where have you laid him? Where, where is the point that you are, are mourning? Where's the place of your grief? Where is the place that you've buried the brokenness? Right? Where's, where is the site and the place of where you're upset with me? Will you take me to that place? Can we go to that place of your pain and of your wounding and of your brokenness where you are tender and where you feel vulnerable? Can we go there together? And they take Jesus to the tomb. And the thing that Jesus asked at the tomb was for them to roll the stone away. It was like he wanted to go deeper. Now, Mary and Martha would not have been thinking resurrection. Um, Not only was that not something that Jesus was doing at the time, but Lazarus had been dead for four days. And so his body would have started to decompose. 
And so Martha's response when Jesus asked for the stone to be moved was not excitement or anticipation that she was going to see a miracle. Her response was, well, Lord, it stinks, right? This is a place of decay. What's, why would we do that? Why would we unearth this? And I think this is so important for us because in a sense, this is the same question that we ask, right? When we have been disappointed or we feel um, a, a longing for God to show up in a place that he hasn't, it's almost like we tuck it away and, and we bury it and we say, well, what's the point of unearthing that? What's the point of uncovering that pain or that wounding? And it feels too bold or too painful or too something to open that up. But, but this is where it gets good, right? This is the thing where in this part of the story, Jesus starts to shift things. Because here in this moment, Jesus actually said to them, that they were going to see the glory of God in their story. And, um, and then he prays this really remarkable prayer. And he says to the Lord, he says, Now I knew that you always hear me, but I'm saying this for the benefit of the people who are standing here. Like this, this is remarkable to me, that Jesus is praying something and he says Overtly, I am saying this out loud for the benefit of the people who are standing here, for the people who have come with me to the place of mourning, to the site of pain, right? If we are willing to follow Jesus to the point of our pain and to the place where it hurts and where we feel wounded, so often there will be for us an encouragement and a word that God has brought for us, right? There is a benefit of following God to the point of pain, to the place where we've tucked away this stuff that feels vulnerable, that feels tender, that feels raw. But if we will sit at Jesus's feet, then we will get the benefit of Jesus's words. If we will go with him to that place and ask him the hard questions. I just think we have to be able to ask Jesus these hard questions, right? We just, platitudes won't do it. It, it doesn't work, right? If, if our marriage is falling apart or if our business is about to go under, or if the doctor comes and says, you know, I wish I had better news for you. What we don't need is like a pat on the head, right? We need faith that has some grit to it. We need to know that our hope is not going to be like washed away with a storm that comes, right? We need to know that what we are holding onto is sure. And that is what Jesus is bringing, right? That's what Jesus is providing here in this moment. He is, he is telling them that they are going to see the glory of God in their story. And that is what we get to see as well. Okay, now the timeline is a little bit different. In the story here of Lazarus, Lazarus gets a resurrection within like a handful of days. Okay, our physical resurrections are going to come when Jesus comes again and when he finishes the work 
of redemption that he has been doing this whole time. But the stories of what is happening are really similar, right? Where Jesus allows the suffering of his friends and they call out to him and he lingers and he sits with them in their pain and he weeps with them. And he goes to the deepest point of suffering and he sits in the stench of that place. And he is present with them. And he tells them that he will bring glory in the story. Right, friends, we have a God who is present with us in our story. We have a God who will never leave us. He will never abandon us. He will never not be with us. There is nowhere that we can go that we will not be with the Lord. His presence goes with us wherever we go. And he will come to us in these places of our pain and of our wounding if we will let him. I, um, I a few years ago, went to this Easter sunrise service. And during this service, it was a prayer service, and the pastor was leading us in this prayer exercise. And he invited us all to bring to mind a situation that was painful in our lives. And the thing that just like immediately came to mind was a situation that happened to me in high school. In high school, y'all, something, this was decades ago, literally decades ago, but it was something that I had never asked Jesus about. And it was something that had been really wounding to me. And in that prayer service, it just, it felt so fresh and tears came to my eyes and I started asking Jesus and God, just like, what, where were you in those moments? And why didn't you intervene? And like, why did you let that happen? Did you care that that was happening? And it was, it's remarkable because I think that if we don't ask those questions, they'll stay with us for decades. It will tuck it away into these places, but it hasn't gone away and we carry it with us. But there's an invitation for us to allow the Lord to meet us in these places where we feel uncertain or we feel pain or we feel disappointment or we feel longing or we say, God, I had hoped you would do this thing. And when we invite him into that place, we find hope. We find his glory. We find a God who has been writing a story of redemption from the beginning. And we know that this hope is sure. The hope that Jesus brings is like a permanent flower. That's what my husband Ryan calls it, right? It's like this flower that exists in a situation that might appear beautiful or all around it, it might appear desolate. It might look entirely devoid of life except for this one permanent flower of hope because Jesus really has triumphed and he really is victorious. And so we can trust in a God who is sure. That is what Jesus is providing here in this story. Um, I was thinking about Mother's Day and you know, I was recognizing that probably most of us cannot remember um, our moms coming to us when we were babies. 
and like coming to our cribs and lifting us when we were crying. But that is an image that comes up a lot in like commercials and things about Mother's Day because there is this beautiful image about a mother going in the darkness to her crying baby and lifting her and holding her and rocking her and singing over her. And I think that that is such a beautiful image of the way that God parents us and how he comes into our darkness and he lifts us and he sings over us and he holds us and he does it over and over and over and over again because he is just tenacious in his love and he is tenacious in the way that he brings hope and redemption into our lives. So um, today on Mother's Day, I think one of the beautiful things about this day is the way that we can look around and we can see in women who are mothering or who have mothered these attributes of God. And so I want to invite you, wherever you are, if you're joining us live, um, to maybe just type in the comment section the name of a woman of valor, right? A woman who maybe um, mothered you or who you see mothering someone that reminds you of God, that the way that she loves her children um, reminds you of the Lord. So maybe that is a foster mom, or maybe it is a godmother, or maybe it is someone that you are friends with who has children and who you see in the way that they love their children, something about the way that God loves you. And so I want us to celebrate that together today as we remember that God comes to us wherever we are, whatever our situation is, and that he invites us into these places of our lives, into places of beauty that are blossoming and into places that we might've tucked away and hidden. And he, um, he wants to meet us in there, in all of these places and speak life and hope and joy to us because the hope that he brings, it is a permanent and steady and sure hope that might not change our outward situation, but it changes everything about eternity. So um, I want to invite you now to join with me as we worship together. Dr. Katie Ann McCarty is going to lead us in some traditional worship as we um, sing and worship the Lord together.